0: To this topic, this subject, of suffering, Lord, I pray that you would minister to us, minister through us, and today as we look at our response, how that we would be able to fix our eyes on you, Lord, that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing, how we would love you. It's to Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's a cool song that's about trust that you caught the theme of that song, and what we had called, you know, sometime back, and that song, and it just so happened to work out today where I'm talking about trust. And Barry gets this word this morning, I'm praying about trust, and that you know, just that encourages me that God is speaking and God is saying some things to our hearts. And so we're continuing this uh, today on the series on suffering, looking at the topic of, suffering again from a biblical perspective, what is the right response that we should have in the middle of it. Um, week one, we looked at the reality of suffering as uh, a part of living in this life, the key passage, again, that I have kind of given as an the overarching theme of this is where Jesus and John 16, before He is arrested, right before He is crucified, He's spending time with His disciples. and He's kind of giving them these last, uh, this last information before all of that happens. It won't be the last of it here. You know, he's going to raise it. going to be risen from the dead and, and be victorious from the death. But these are kind of some things that he was trying to tell them in John 13 about being a servant. He wants to keep and talk to them about greatness. He said, you know, do this to one another, to serve each other. John 14, he gives them the promise that you don't let your hearts be troubled. Um, I'm going to be a place for you, That where I am, that you might be. With me also the promise of eternity. John 15, he kind of gives the key right in the middle of that. He said, "Abide in me, abide in my love. Know that I created you for relationships. To remain in my love when times get dark, when times get hard, remain in my love." And then in John 16, he says that famous passage: "In this world you will have trouble." And uh, again, they weren't able to really frame maybe what he was talking about. He told them that he was going to go to the cross and. They were going to need to have those words to encourage themselves. He said, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In this life, you will have trouble. And there's a promise to you from Him. He didn't say you might. He said you will have trouble. What do we do with that? How do we maneuver through that? Again, not say that we should, but we're just hoping that something bad happens, but that one guy said it. He said, you're going through something, you've been through something, or you're headed towards something um, in this life that uh, that that." we will have trouble in this life. And so that was week one, the reality. Week two, we talked about the causes of suffering. And uh, in suffering, it's natural to have those big questions. Isn't it? Why is this happening? What's going on? Sometimes we look for that blame point of especially with God when we think well he's good and he's powerful and he's loving, why is he allowing him? What is he doing about it? Um and then last week I think is probably the most important revelation in all of this is that he did do something about it. Last week we looked at God's response and we see in Christ that Jesus came into our reality. Isaiah fifty three um, and I told you that last week that, um, that we that we have this prophecy about Jesus, but it says that he bore our suffering and he took on our pain. He did die for our sins and he you know, he was he was uh, crucified for the sins of the world, yes. But also, in the midst of that, He bore not only our sins, but our suffering, the pain, the shame that we would endure. And so, when we ask that question to God, where are you? Why aren't you doing something? His answer, confidently to our hearts, is, I did do something. I accepted stepped into your reality and I gave my life to you and I took on your suffering. And so, He is our great high priest that knows us in every way. And He can... He's the only one in history that can look at every human being and say, I know how he feel," Because he bore that for us. And so, his response to suffering leads us to this week, our response to suffering. And so again, knowing what God did to step into our suffering and he sent Jesus to bear it, knowing that he did it because he loved us, he has deep love for us, Hopefully, it should help us know how to respond when we endure suffering. And again, that's why last week is so important to realize what Jesus did for you. He bore your suffering. He bore your pain. Any amount of pain that you can imagine, the most horrific things that were done on this earth, Jesus bore it on the cross and bore it. And so, knowing that, it can help us to have confidence that we can respond in the right way. Without the knowledge of Christ without knowing His heart for a suffering, naturally leads people to devastation. And again, not that we're not temporarily devastated when something happens, but I'm talking about ongoing. But emptiness leads people to self-medicate. It, it leads to the unsealed hurts. And it can ultimately lead us, to an are not careful, to the and rejection of God Himself. And that, again, that is why last week was so in my, important, in my opinion, the, the most important revelation. And so if we believe that about Jesus, what he went through out of love for us, it will help us to navigate through our own stories of suffering and of Christ God's life. I'm going to have that life salmon watch, one family story, and I want you to hear what they say as they tell us their story on, on suffering. I need to go back just yeah, I'm do that nice problem taking. here and I went to college in Arizona where I met my wife. For the next 10 days, we started around while I was in international technology We served in our local church, and I attended Sunday. I was told i here in i got I've got i got a i got of i at age 33, I was diagnosed with the state Immediately, I had surgery removed a and a half of my large intestine and a one I was told This was all very sudden shock I had always been very comfortable, and I found myself very why did I ask him? I didn't think it was wrong with the was to a of the in my life. I was and stood Where did I go wrong? I it was to the time. I, knew the job I was my life. I not understand why I was but I know to so, for three months, I had to after that, I believe that a social break. no sense in my life, I would celebrated by seeing mm-hmm. life the life And I weeks of my life to the over back as I celebrated being cancer-free. I a long later, so I had cancer-free I I was say, I was a family. Everything was just it. And so we had a child I was a mm. Unfortunately, seen on the no longer in not the greatest state of life. Mm. Is the nothing state of life. nothing And a mm. And I was I'm trying to give a And it is through that that I can cancer that I I a better body, a better dad, better boss, better family, better connect, and better and through cancer, I just some amazing things about the Those are indeed three so things. about Why away? Why I do not understand, but I know that I am thankful God my life. I want to walk my life my I want to my life I want to go all the way And I want to live my life, my life. But I my life. And I may be able to work with my And I may to my I to in my life. <laughs> I'm the the is not a good thing. you in <laughs> <laughs> <And> the <problem>. <laughs> <laughs> in the fall of 1994, and after four years of dating, We added to the joy and our and where our only girl the and then we had the rest of so, the family was completely We then had a We were a happy <laughs> just join, I was in your picture, I'm your teacher, my boss, my husband, my best friend, and world. Our world My identity in the past 17 years has been so much about survival. Even though she's dealt with a year long battle of and now she's it's going to be an empty room. And we're not going to stop. we the going to cross the road. And we going to the road. We've got three plasma annions that are the lake. And a are One part of the day I a name to the pacificity. The Pacific we going to cross the to take our Grace is so hot. No one can tell you how you are going to feel and what I God is so good and so faithful. Him, he a hope today when we all of the lives that so are going to the life through, through the circumstances, gifts, and and the the and that and the the and the the project, the the project, the and things and things and life-life. and then, first first and then, project, so and 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 to and and Jeremiah entire student is the number of in the a a and a year. I was a a Thank <laughs> I you know? at that moment, i God knew that I was a widow, a mother to a baby to of I I I don't have how the answers. But I do know that I was It was tender, and death and grief. And I still bad. and I you know, you, you think how, how do you how do you have a response like that? Kind? And We can only say we're proud in our hearts. I mean, to be able for him to say that. Uh, he, is looking at cancer as a gift to has made him a more godly dad, a more godly husband, a godly friend, and so that he can look at it in that way of helping him keep things in perspectives. And first time I saw that, unless, you know, of course it's hard to wrap your mind around it unless you've lived through it. And you see a couple that has really grabbed hold of the message of trust. And you hear that throughout the they trust God no matter what, no matter the outcome, no matter what happens, they just they walk and trust God. We can have those lights up to you day. And so the response trust, and because they were convinced by who Jesus is, that this is not just a fairy tale that helps us to feel better about ourselves. This is this is a reality to Christ and what Jesus did for them. They believed Him. They put their full confidence in His Word. They put their hope and their trust in Him completely. That You are who You say are. If the Word is true, then we can trust You. It's powerful because it's in the toughest and darkest times that the authenticity of our faith is put to the test, right? Do we really believe it? Do we only believe it when things, when the things that are happening up the way that I want them to, do we really trust them when things are peaceful and at rest and nothing's really wrong? Is that the only time, or is it real and authentic when we are going through the hardest and the darkest times? I referred to the book Choosing to See by Mary Beth Catman when they lost her little girl. I mentioned it last week. And Steve, of course, who was the uh, he's a Christian recording artist. Who, He talked about after that. He said, all the songs that I ever wrote about trusting God or God's sovereignty, he said, it was was at those moments where he said, did did I really believe, were 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 the just slick lyrics that I was writing that really, or or did did it really matter to me? Did I really believe it? Because he said, that's when it was put to the test, And he came on the other side of it and he said, yes, Jesus is real and it's true. So, what should our response be in suffering? Again, as I said before, these aren't just easy, pat answers, or just you know, buck up and get over it. Um, you heard her journey, the wife's journey there, um, of saying, "Some days it's hard. Some days I have questions, and and I don't think that we're ever going to have good, definitive, clear answers like we would like to have on this side of eternity." And so these aren't meant to be bad answers, um, but, but the hope and the prayer is that in Christ and through Christ, these are ways that we will be able to process and work out suffering in the right way, in a godly way. Our hope and prayer going into this is that as, even as Barry said, that God will include hope, and, but not as the world gives hope. Peace, but not as the world gives control. Paul even calls it peace that passes understanding. An eternal hope. A joy that is unspeakable. We, we can't seem to you know, frame it, but that it's just it's there in our hearts. And again, it's, it's hard to walk these out when you're in the middle of it, but at some point, if you hang on, it will matter. Those things, that, The truth of God, the truth of Jesus, the truth of the Word will matter. So I believe that it's God's heart for us to have the right response. Um, I I don't believe we have these responses if we don't understand, again, God's love for us. And turning from our way of living and surrendering our lives to Jesus, and we dug that word this morning of of unpacking everything and of saying, it's more than just to you have to He's gift. And so, you're, you're just in, you're in a way of understanding His heart for you. And in the hard times, is to understand His heart for you. In, in, the, in the way of salvation, He saved us. And that is when we surrender our way of living and we live with Him and we give our hearts and our lives to Him, that's when these, these things will begin to take root in our hearts. And so the overarching word that describes the right response to suffering is trust. Trusting God completely in the midst of life circumstances. It is faith. Trust and faith go hand in hand. Faith in Him and He is. And not just faith in faith. Not trying to muster up something. You know, to try to create something, but just in that trust God completely. So we're going to look at uh, some responses here's, here's the first one. Let's go to the next slide here. It's relational honesty. Relational honesty. In the video, you hear where they again they have the questions. You hear that they have the doubts. Trust and faith does not mean that you eliminate all all doubts and, and the and and the process and the wrestling and the, the grief that hits you out of nowhere. And so, the first way and the right response to suffering is relational honesty. It's trusting that He wants relationship with you. It's trusting that you're not just here by accident and you're not just here by chance, but that God has a purpose for you and that He wants relationship with you. That we were created to walk in a relationship with Christ. Not simply just to be better human beings on the earth, we created to be loved by God and to love Him. Again, before Jesus goes cross John 15, and you know, just you can just live in that chapter for a while, where He's saying, "Remain in Me, remain in My love." All of that, all of that, all of the talk that He's giving there is this is a relationship. Don't forget that. Remain in My love. When things get hard, that's why like John 16: In this world you will have trouble, but take heart you can't take heart if you don't understand John 15 that I created. I love you. Remain in my love. It's going to be hard. You will still have questions, but remain in my love. Remain in a relationship with me. He comes down and He walks with us. And again, He's not just trying to help us to follow religious rules that help modify our behavior. He wants a relationship that we become more like Him and we love Him and we receive His love. And then we listen to please him. But out of that place, we can have relational honesty about where we're at. You know, the Bible doesn't shy away from people that had hard times. Ecclesiastes tells us that there's a time to mourn, there is a time to weep, a time to believe. It's a reality. And I mentioned this in week one, but it bears repeating again. Listen to the relational honesty that David had with God. He's writing this prayer, this honest prayer. And he says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? You know, that's not... You know, some people going to you and is it okay to talk to God like that? Absolutely. Where He's struggling and it feels like the God's a million miles away and he's, He's just processing where He's at. Just being real and honest is very best. How long will you, David? How long will you hide your face from me? Because I'm talking, but it feels like you're not listening right now. This is very difficult. At the time, David was in some very hard circumstances. How long has I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? You ever been there where you're just so alone and it feels like I'm just alone with my thoughts and the sorrow seems overwhelming? David felt that way. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But here's how he it closes. It's one thing to have an honest relationship with God if he's not intimidated by hard questions. But stay away from accusing him and railing on him and letting it turns to hatred toward him. Because David says, But I trust in your unfailing love. There's that word trust. I trust in your unfailing love. I don't get it, but I trust you love me. I don't understand it, but I trust that you love me. I will I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in Your salvation. I love that. Although my circumstances are good and aren't good, I can I, I rejoice that I say that I belong to you. Is it what he's saying that? He said, I will sing of the Lord's praise for He has been good to me. And he was recounting probably at the time, this is hard, but God, I've seen Your hand This is hard, but You have been good. You have been faithful to me. And so this relational honesty that is just coming out, it's okay for us to be honest where we're at. But let it lead you to deeper relationship with Him. It's, it's just like we have the gift of relationships here on the earth and sometimes the most hard, most intense times for a married couple or a family and when you have conflict, if it's done in the right way, and some of you guys have seen this to be true, when you have walked through it, you actually can come out on the other side in deeper relationship with It really is true. The enemy wants to tear apart. That's what he does. He likes to divide, tear apart. Where he says, you know, we're never gonna, we're never gonna resolve this or so reconcile. tear so, and, and it's like tearing apart. That's why he's tearing apart of families, like tearing apart of relationships. That's what the enemy does. But God says, work through, make allowance for each other, love each other, and you can come out on the other side of this deeper friends, deeper, deeper in your marriage, deeper in your family relationships, instead of being torn apart. And so, let relational honesty lead you into deeper relationship with God. Now, the enemy, what he tries to do is, he uh, even in suffering, is he tries to get us to live in and under the grief. You understand what I'm saying? Not that there's not time for it, but he wants you to live in it. Live in the morning. Live in the hurt. Be defined by it. Be dictated by it for the rest of the day. And so, there is a difference. You know, there is godly sorrow and there is godly grief. There's a time for that. And the enemy wants to keep people there. That 20, 30 years later, they're still self-medicating. They're bitter. They're angry. They're they're just filled with hate over what happened. And that's where the enemy wants to keep people. Because we need time to process the emotional, but God wants to walk with us in relationship to the other side. So be honest with God in the midst of your suffering. It's okay. Talk to Him. I think it touches His heart. I mean, he called David a man after my own heart and I think it was because of prayers like this. He's honest with me. Relational honesty. Trusting that you have a relationship. Let it lead you closer. And number two is this. Trust His sovereignty. Trust His sovereignty. The word sovereign means supreme control. Supreme control. It's, it's absolute control. Not part. It's absolute control. When you're walking through suffering, it seems like things are out of control. How many have been there? Doesn't it? It seems like things are chaotic, that there's no... There's nothing controlling this that been out of control. It's hard to believe and trust that God is in control, but we can take heart, we can trust Him because if He is, even when we don't see it. He is in control and He's got everything in His hand. And I know that can sound so religious and so pat, but I, I'm telling you, He has it all in His hand and He's in control of it all. And we can trust His sovereignty. Isaiah 55, one of my favorite passages. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Verse 6. Call unto Him while He is near. This relational um, honesty there. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and He will have mercy on them and to our God, for He will freely pardon. Verse 8, kind of this idea of sovereignty. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, to the Lord. That's just something we have to. In His sovereignty, we do not have the depth of God's knowledge tapped into. We see, we only see a part. And He tells us, "My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways." Verse nine: As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are My ways higher than your ways, and My thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so He's saying. I know it's hard, but I am in control. I don't do things the way you think that I should do them. Um, He is not under our control. We do not not tell God what to do. He is supremely in control and sovereign. And I don't know about you, but as I've gotten more and more of that revelation, it gives me peace, even when I'm going through hard things. That God my, my ways are not your ways and, and, and you're you're, you're, high, you're higher than me your thoughts you are more pure than me and you see the big picture I only see a part of the picture and that gives me peace that you are in control it's childlike faith really and that's why Jesus said unless you understand and become like children it's hard to understand the kingdom. You know, when you are going somewhere with your kids and you know, and you tell them now they're excited about getting there, and they'll ask you, are we there yet? Questions. It's just like we might ask God, are we there yet? Am I done with this yet? But you know, if you tell a kid that we are going here, they get in the back seat. They're not back there normally stressed out about, are you sure we're going there? I just don't know about that. You know, they're, I mean, they're excited. You told them and they'll say, are we there yet? But there is not about getting there or the logistics. They just ride and they're like, Mom and Dad are driving the car and we're going and I'm, we're going to get there. Even though they, they don't see all the details. And that is like, and then that's childlike faith is God, help me to understand that I am with you, I'm coming along with you, that you are driving the car, and I've said this before, those bumper tickets said, if God is your co-pilot, I don't want to be on that plane. It means you're flying and He's not. That's a dangerous situation. He's in control, he, He's taking us and that we can say, you know, instead of, you know, in His ear, turn around, i think you should turn right. you should turn left, you should, you should go this way. As we rest, you say, God, you're in control. You are sovereign. You are high. You Great peace. And so if we give this right perspective, we can walk in His peace. And in a world that seems out of control, we can honestly say, I know God is in control. When we started this series out, um, some, most of you were here. Tim and Allie Horse, shared their story about losing their four-month-old daughter. And we interviewed them, and if you want to hear it's a very touching, it's a sad story, but it's a redemptive story. And she said something that was so pointed um, in there when she was having, you know, you had those natural questions. She said, I only came to this realization one day that I am not God. I'm not not God. And it was a powerful revelation to actually begin to give her peace. We aren't God, and there's no way we can know this way fully and completely. If we think we can, we will be disheartened. He does show us some things, but we don't know all things. We're told in the Bible again, we see in part. We see a part of the picture. One of Stephen Curtis and songs is, God is God and I am not. I can only see a part of the picture he's painting. God is God and I am man, so I'll never understand that God is God. And it's just a song of sovereignty. We don't see the whole picture. If we did, it wouldn't take faith and trust, right? We could see the whole picture. We would never have to trust Him for anything. We aren't God and we aren't to consume so much as to tell Him what He should or shouldn't do. We can trust His sovereignty again knowing that He has endured everything that we have. He knows our suffering and He knows our pain. And because He is sovereign, the absolute best prayer that we can pray in all situations is what Jesus taught us to pray. What did He say when the disciples teach us to pray? Again, it was more than us just doing it in a service our Father who our heaven, and we just kind of do that. He's teaching us something in the prayer. And one of the lessons that He teaches is that we can confidently say your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." what I trust you, and so we can pray His will in every situation. God, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I trust You completely. It is a prayer of faith. Trust the sovereignty. Number three. Let's go to the next one. We can trust His goodness and His faithfulness. Again, it's hard to see His goodness and His faithfulness in the midst of suffering when things aren't going the way we thought they would or should. We ask those questions. Is He really good? Is He really faithful? We get into trouble when we define what His goodness and faithfulness is, what, what it should be in a certain situation. Again, this is tied with His sovereignty. We get disillusioned when we think that we know what the answer should be. Well, i, I got a I know what the answer should be. I'm asking for you to do this, and so you should do this. Now, again, that doesn't mean you know. Well, you know, some people might stop me and go, "Well, that doesn't, it sounds like case or whatever will be, will be." Don't pray. That's not what I'm saying. We're told to pray and speak up, and we can ask as children, "Lord, I want you to intervene. I'm asking that you do this, but ultimately, I trust you in whatever happens." Just take the disciples, for example. Jesus would talk about suffering, dying on the cross, and they weren't able to process it. I mean, Peter, you have Peter rebuking Jesus. If you're wondering if that's a good idea, it's not. Remember, Jesus said, the Son of of Man must go and be betrayed to sinners. And and Peter says, you know, he you can see him putting his arm around the Lord and said, you know, surely you're not going to die. You're not going to do that. What is Peter saying? This doesn't work out for us. We have a plan for your life if you'll listen to us, Jesus. We think you should do this. We think you should take over. We think, And we want to be on your team, the only team, and you decide to establish the kingdom here. And Jesus was established establish his kingdom in a different way. And ultimately, when he comes back, now that will be the time where his enemies will be put under his feet. We know that that's going to happen. But if this wasn't working, and what does is, what is Jesus say to him? He says, get behind me, Satan you had the interest of man and not of God. And I'm like, whoa, you know, a few verses before, he told Peter you were the rock, and he went from like three verses later to being the devil. I mean, I that's, a, that's a pretty drastic jump there. But he did not have the interest of God, the heart and the mind of God in the situation. He thought he had the plan. It's not God's will for you to be crucified. Jesus doesn't work for us. And so Jesus would talk about suffering, and 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 you know, they would say, "Well, he didn't actually mean by really. You're the king, the Messiah. You will take over. We'll be on your team." But then they arrested him, and what did they do? They ran away from him in his greatest time of need, because they tried to fit him into their plan. They ran when they when things didn't pan out like they thought they. Lord. That gives me great hope, again, because I have responded that way. I've asked the Lord for things to He, and, and I have all nice, nicely packaged and said, this is what you should this is how the answer to the prayer is supposed, to, is supposed to be, and then He does completely not that. What do I do? It's a disciple's struggle. with that. Here's John, John, that's a struggle with that. But, but from, from, if, if you Familiar with this text, John has been arrested. He's in prison. He has confronted Herod uh, for an adulterous relationship that he's in. And so he's in prison. And we have this after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on this to to teach and teach in the of Galilee. And John, who was in prison, Heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who has come, or should we expect someone else? Next point. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind, the deified, the lame, the those who have left the fear are cleansed, the deaf fear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Then he says this Blessed is anyone who does not stumble or are not offended in some translations on account of John's in prison. He knew who Jesus was. Remember, he baptized Jesus. He pointed to Jesus and he said, "He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." He made that declaration. He baptized him. He hears the voice of Father, "This is my Son, whom I am wealthy well. He sees all of this powerful stuff happen. Now John is in prison, and things are not going well for him. And then what did he do? He, he gets his disciples, they visit him in prison, he goes, go ask Jesus, are you sure you're the Messiah or should we be looking for someone else? What was he thinking there? In Jesus' response, you can understand what John was thinking because in that verse he said, blessed are those who are, tell John what you've seen and heard, blessed are those who are not offended by me. They don't stumble and fall away because of me. Because John had a plan for what Jesus said, "I'm your forerunner. I baptize you. I'm your cousin." For crying out loud, he throw the family thing in there. You know, I mean, it You know, if I'm not your forerunner, at least say your cousin. He was wanting Jesus to rescue him, and Jesus could have. Remember, Jesus, uh, you know, the power of God rescued Peter. Peter walked right out of the prison. And sometimes there's supernatural intervention. In the things that, you know, where, where God steps in and he does something out of the ordinary, but there's times where he doesn't, and he's sovereign in that. And so John is saying, ask him, are you the one? And Jesus then gives, you know, tell John what you've seen and heard. The good news is being proclaimed. The blind is seeing. In other words, I am who I said I am. I am who you said I was. I am the Messiah. But tell John this I am the Messiah, but I'm not going to rescue you from prison. Don't be offended by me, John. Trust me. And I don't know about you, but when I read that story, it's one of the most, it's, it's a disheartening story. Because John basically ends up losing his head. He's executed. And they bring that, what happens to Jesus. I and mean, Jesus is, is, is sad for that. And he said, there's no greater prophet than John's the great prophet, although he had questions, although he had doubts. And so, John, knowing who he was, he's in there. He wants Jesus to rescue him, but he, things are not working out like he thought. And so, he have to trust in, in his goodness and his faithfulness. And then, an Old Testament story out in one of my favorite stories Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego familiar with this story, that they were kidnapped Jews, they were in Babylon. This is a great story of faith and trusting God's goodness and faithfulness. So Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, and and the king had built this ninety-foot statue and said, everyone in the whole area must bow down to it and worship this idol. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we're not. So it's reported the king and said, these three Jews are not doing it. And so um, he comes and confronts them. And he says, if you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to worship again. And, and, and so here's her response. Because he said, if you don't, I'm going to throw you in a fire in furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Bony, go replied in the kingdom. said we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And it's interesting that they say that. But even if he does not, we want you to know, Your Majesty, that we will not turn it out to the end of the gold we have set. Now, it can sound a little bit like they had doubt in the middle of that. That can only sound like nothing. That they were wavering a little bit. Of even if he doesn't, well, some people would say, "Well, don't, don't even say that because he can and he will." They just trusted God. It's okay to say God may not do this. I'm asking God just like that I said. I'm asking God to heal me, but even if He doesn't, God is good. God is awesome. He's faithful. To God be the glory. We can trust Him. And so they have this exchange, and they, you know, they're, they're actually the stressful thing that we do not need to defend ourselves. That we are going into the blazing fire. The God that we serve is able to deliver us from it. In other words, we know He can't. Then they say, and he, and he will deliver us from your Majesty's hands. I love that he says that, or that they, they said that to him. You know what they're saying there? He's able. He may not, but he will ultimately. He's going to deliver us from your hands. Because here's how that's going to happen: either he's going to supernaturally show up, and we're not going to burn, or we're going to be burned up in an instant, and we get to be with him. And so, either way, we get God. And we went trust of his faithfulness and his goodness, and we know the rest of the story. That they he got angry and he heated the furnace up seven times, and the, the guards that escorted them in they actually dropped dead because of the heat. And then Jesus shows up in the middle of it and he said, "I thought I put three men in the furnace, and there was a forest going around and in there with them, and they were saved." But You see their heart in this. God is able. We know He can. Even if He doesn't, we're going to fix our eyes on Him because He's faithful and good. If we live, He's faithful and good. If we die, He's faithful and good. Whatever the outcome, we win. When we trust God's goodness and faithfulness. we see in the midst of whatever happens that He is good all the time and that He is better. Ultimately, He's the answer. Escape from our circumstances isn't the answer. If that is the only answer that we hold on to, that's again where we get disillusioned and we get disheartened. Healing from your sickness isn't the answer. He is the answer. When you get Him, He is the answer. We get asked for those things. We can trust him, and sometimes he does intervene, and sometimes he does remove sickness, and he can do miracles, and we serve a miracle-working God. I I, I don't want to diminish that. He did it before, he can still do it today. But even if he doesn't, he's still God. He's still good, he's still faithful, and ultimately we get him in the end. We get him in eternity. Because that is what it's all about. And then the last two, I'm going to hit on quickly here. Number four is that we can trust that He's working in the midst of our suffering. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because this is actually next week. When we belong to Jesus, nothing that we endure or go through is wasted. God can redeem anything. He can redeem any situation that seems lost. He can redeem any situation that seems hopeless. We'll talk about that next week. Number five. That's how I'm going to close. We can trust in eternity. We trust in eternity. That God has a plan for us eternally, not just on this earth, not just in this life. Paul told us, Colossians, that he said, set your hearts and your minds on eternal things, not just the temporary Yes, there is a plan and purpose for you here. You wouldn't be here if God didn't want you to be here. You are on this earth in this time and this season because God has a plan for you. But God's plan for you is not limited just to this earth. When He created you, He had you eternally in mind. He didn't see you within that framework of 80, 85, 90, 95 years, however long we get to live this life, whatever it is, he, God did not see you from that to that. That's, that's not how He sees you in me. He said, I mean, he, first of all, He knew us from the foundations of the earth. He knew you were going to be here. He knew He was going to create you as He was forming the world way back then. And so He sees you from time eternity past to eternity future. He has a plan for you. He has things for you to do in heaven. We don't get to heaven and play harps and ride around on clouds. As fun as that might sound to some. It's a kingdom. We will do work. There will be jobs. There will be the most fulfilling work because remember, the curse in, in, in Genesis was not to do work. They were supposed to work the garden, right? They were doing stuff. They weren't just laying around and doing nothing. They were working the garden. The curse was that now it will be, it will, the work will be, it will be wearisome, and there will be toil and sweat to the work, and it will. But there is a redemptive side to work, and the things that we do. We are created to work in God's kingdom, and we will be in heaven, and we will work. With each other and around each other, we we're going to know each other. I don't know if we're going to get to work beside each other. I don't know how that's going to work out. But God sees you eternally. He doesn't see you just in this life, and that's why when we're in this life and we're going through things and we're saying, "God, you know," and what where are you and what are you doing? The thing is, is we have we have grabbed hold of this life so tightly that when this life ebbs away or there's suffering in this life, God is trying to say. It's just temporary. It's just that much of your life. Hold on, because there is a great eternal weight of glory that is coming that far outweighs anything that you would endure in this life. So we can trust in eternity. All the things that are told to us about eternity. To have eternal promises. When Paul, he had this glimpse of the third heaven, and he, in Second Corinthians 12, he said, you know, it was too marvelous for me to even destroy That's why in Philippians 1, he's saying, I'm torn between two places. I want to be there, but for your sake, I'm here. There's a plan purpose for me here, but you guys are nice and all, but I'm hoping to get there pretty soon. And I can't wait till you guys come with me. You can trust in eternity. Because of Jesus, no matter what we endure, it's temporary. And He's preparing a place what He said. He's preparing a place. He promised it to us. He's preparing a place for us. That those who belong to Him get to be with Him forever. John 14, that where I am, you may be all here. I want you to be with me here forever for eternity. You can trust me in that. And again, not just to see Through the lens of this life. And we as believers, I'm as guilty as anyone. We hold on to this life sometimes way too tightly. And when maybe somebody is enduring a long term illness and they're at the point of death, and sometimes we get so wrapped up into getting them physically healed, and God is saying, I've got a job for them up here. They're getting ready to go from this to completely healed, never to be sick again, working in my kingdom, filled with such joy that you could never know. Stop trying to pray them back into this earth. I love them, and I'm going to heal them like you would never believe. Because even if I do heal them, they're going to end up dying of something. Our healing here is temporary. Our healing there is eternal. sees you. and sees you in the span of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. We're lucky if we have a five-year goal, a five-year plan for our lives. I and mean, some of us can have a hard time because we're just stuck in the here and now. And we, you know, we don't really know what we're going to do tomorrow. God, says, I know what you're going to be doing in a hundred thousand years from now. Because I've got a plan for you then trust in eternity that you're going to be there. We am with this. Um, a friend of mine from high school um, He became a pastor. This guy was like the constant pastor. He was a pastor in high school. I mean, he, he got his he got his credentials he turned out when he was 16. I mean, you know, I'm thinking, you know, at 16, I, I, that is not what I was thinking. You know, I'm... I'm Playing sports and wondering if girls like me, and uh, that was. The, and this guy was just—he he lived his faith. He was a very authentic guy. I was, we were in youth group together. He was a year he ahead of me in school, and uh, just lovable, a little, very faithful man. We ended up going to college together, and you know, this guy was just on the track the you know—you know a you, you know, uh, pastor, and he—you um, know—went to seminary, became a pastor, has been pastoring. About a week and a half ago, he went to be with Jesus. About a year and a half ago, he uh, and his family had no prior health problems, and he and his family were on vacation in, uh, I think it was Arizona, and uh, got some, was having some, some symptoms, and went got checked. They sent him home from vacation, and uh, he had cancer. Had no idea. And so, he went through the treatments, and actually, last year, um, two, you know, two thousand thirteen he um yeah, about a year and a half ago he was clean bill of health, cancer free. And then it came back with a vengeance. And uh and through that we we were with him on Facebook and just Now, this is a guy, again, he believed God could heal him. He believed in the power of prayer and healing. This guy had lots of people. He influenced a lot of people. Um, He was, you know, he was a bishop in the Church of God that we grew up in. Um, And he had lots of people praying for his healing, believing for his healing. And just through it, just to see some of uh, his journey that he would write on Facebook made such trust in God. very, very, you know, I mean, just very encouraging. You know, he was, he, he's going through this and we just read something he's just ministering because he's just so trusting God. The night he died, his wife wrote on his Facebook page and here's what she wrote and I wanted to read this to you. So here's, he's got a um, 16-year-old, 14-year-old daughter, two daughters. They were by his side. Here's his wife, Ginger. She actually spoke at his funeral. Um, very godly. And she's a great, great gal. Here's what she wrote. Live fearlessly. Isaiah 41.10. That is what was on the front of the t-shirt Jeremy was wearing last night as, he, as his journey ended here on this earth. So this is the next month. That is how he lived. And that is how he passed surrounded by his family peacefully from this life into eternity. Fearless. Just because this is not the answer we had hoped and believed for does not mean God did not hear your prayers or see your faith. It simply means that His ways are higher than ours and we must continue to trust Him without borders. While the girls and I obviously will listen supremely and concede we do not clearly see God's plan, we reaffirm that we will not be shaken. We pray the same for you. The back of the shirt quoted the verse which is a message to all, all of us today. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am with God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Like, what an amazing. How do you even say anything to that? I think ultimately, devastation comes when we believe. There's only this earthly life to live. We're holding on to this life. Jesus is going to return one day or he's going to call us all home through death. Either way, when we belong to him, he has something for us and he's created us to rule and reign with him. To live eternally. Hold on to eternity with all your heart even when things are. Keep your heart toward Him. Trust Him that He is relational. Trust in Him that He is sovereign. That He is good. That He is faithful. And that He is working. And ultimately, that He's created us for eternity. So that is my prayer for us this morning. God, I know that the hearts of all of us is that we would have the right response when we are walking through hard times and hard seasons. And Lord, I pray today again that uh, this would not be received in such a way that uh, as just spiritual path answers, but it is really not, that it is really trusting in Your Word and, and trusting who You are, that God, You created for relationship that you love us and that we would respond in such a way that you love us and really believe that every day. God, also that we would trust that you are sovereign, that you're in, you're supremely in control of all things. God, I pray that we would be able to trust you, that you are good and you are faithful. Or through the circumstances, whether we get the answer or not, that you are good, you are God, and we can trust you. Lord, I pray that also we would trust, Lord, even as we'll look at next, next week, that You are working in the midst of it, that You redeem our suffering and how You do that. And Lord, I pray ultimately that we would trust in eternity, that You created us for eternity. We would really believe that. God, thank You for the precious people here. And I do pray, God, again today, Lord, for anyone who is going through something right now, or whether it be, God, again, physical, financial, emotional, mental, spiritual. Or maybe they have a loved one who is going through something and is heavy. I pray your grace. I pray your peace. I pray, God, that you would draw near. That your Holy Spirit would bring comfort. And that, Lord, you would walk with us through this life. And we would fix our eyes on you, Jesus, every day. That's in your name we pray. Um, I want you to join us at Ramsey. I'm going to pray for the truth. I'm going to do that. So when you get there, you can go ahead and go through the line. God, thank you for the day. that we celebrated you, celebrate your goodness to us, going for that food that we're about to eat. Oh, God, you would uh, bless you to our bodies, bless our time fellowship together. God, thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope to see you over there. God bless you. Very slippery in the parking lot. Be very careful as you're walking through the parking lot. Of